All right, welcome to another edition of the Hardwood Huddle. My name is Randy Zellia of BackSportsPage.com. Want to quickly give a quick shout out to all of our listeners out there, all of our followers. Thank you for making us uh, the best part of this job, being able to talk about everything about the game of basketball, back sports page, talking all sports. Wanted to give everybody a quick follow-up uh, here. We are originally supposed to start at 4 p.m. today with um, Bo Outlaw. There was a little bit of scheduling conflict. Bo will be here at 4 p.m., but it'll only be on for a couple minutes. Uh, Bill Ingram will join us shortly. And we will discuss Lakers and the Miami Heat. Interesting way the series has gone so far. It is a 2-1 Laker lead. Um, the way the Miami Heat started off this series, they seemed very, very passive, very, very aggressive in Game 3. Now have a 2-1 two to one hole. hole to dig out of one more game. I don't know if you want to really, uh, you know, poke the poke the bear with LeBron James the way you have in this situation. I find it very interesting that LeBron James and company are struggling uh, the way they are right now. Uh, it, seems, it seems like the Lakers were were not in it. They were not there. Uh, it just seemed like on Sunday night, it was the Miami who was uh, dictating the whole situation. Uh, and I just think that at this point in time, the Los Angeles Lakers look like they might be in a uh, game four tonight. Looking forward to seeing on if the Lakers can bounce back or if the Heat can come back and uh, take Take advantage of this. I think that they they should, they could, and they would. They they came out and they had that. Wow, that the, the last Tyler Hero in that growl, that snarl look. That's the that's the attitude they have to have. You have to go at the Lakers. You have to go at Anthony Davis. You have to go at LeBron James. You have to go at them to beat them. And I think that's the way we. Uh, We we view the Miami Heat as for the for the Los Angeles Lakers championship run. I think I actually think that the Lakers believe that too. I honestly believe that the Los Angeles Lakers felt that they had this thing in the bag. The, the way they dominated, they absolutely dominated the Miami Heat in the first two games of this series. Shoe ugly. It was. I I don't know what else to say. It was it was bad, and uh, you know there's nothing else to say in that situation. But you just hope, you know, you want to just have some hope that the Miami Heat can make this a series. And it's just a situation. So, uh, like I said, the hardwood huddle can be found at Back Sports Page all the time here at um, BackSportsPage.com. All of our past episodes, like I said, we had a little bit of uh, timing issues that happened. Uh, so with with Mr. Outlaw, he originally thought we were be doing this at uh, four. I'm waiting for Bill Ingram as well. So we are going to again get this get this rolling today as well. So yeah, um, man. And the other thing that I found really, really, really interesting thing was the simple. The simple situation that we have going on right now with the Doc Rivers situation. Doc Rivers uh, out in the Clippers. Now he is a member of the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, so 
that's where we that's where we are um that's where we are at so that's uh that's what's that's what's happening right now apparently i'm gonna be uh on my own for today mr Inger will not be joining yeah okay so let's welcome in bo outlaw Bo, how are you? Randy Zellia back sports page. I'm so sorry about the time <laughs> confusion. Uh, I, I'm usually joined by Bill Ingram, but we had some timing difficulties with him as well. So I'm, I'm going to take the, uh, I'll take the, I'll take the shot. Um, you know, so, oh, I got to ask you, you made a transition into your off, into the office from being a player. How was that transition for you? Oh, the transition was easy. Um, Actually, they, they made it easier. Uh, it was something I was doing as I was playing a lot in the community. So going from playing to the community is, was a part of me already. So it was kind of easy. But they made it easy as well, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to tell you, I've seen you play over the years, man. You're, you're, you've always been a tough cookie as far or as uh, used to kill my New Jersey, just want to let you know that I used, used to beat up my guys all the time over there. Um, <laughs> they, and, I, and you know, though I forgive you for that now because you know, but you know, like, what was it like, you know, being on the court, being, um, you know, being around in that locker room atmosphere, being one of the guys again, like you said, you said it was easy to make that transition, but being one of the guys and now being the guy who passes on the advice, what's that like for you now? Uh, being one of the guys was a great thing. Uh, being one of the guys pass on advice is also great because when I was a guy playing, there was back then, back then the guys who were older would always try to give you advice and help you out. So that was another transition that was easy. You're just trying to pass it on and pass, pass it forward because you're never coming into a situation knowing everything you need to know. No, that's when the veterans come in, and they had a couple of good veterans around me to help me. Uh, it's funny you say about the good veterans. If I had to ask you, I'm not going to tell you the people you didn't get along with because that's a no-no in this business. But well, who are the who people? Who are the people who you uh, got along with? You consider good friends, and uh, who also gave you some great advice? I got along with pretty much everybody, but uh, okay. every every team you have different guys. So when I got in the league, uh, Mark Jackson was one of the guys that tried to help me out. Uh, then as I start going along, I got to Orlando. Daryl Armstrong was a guy that uh, we were trying to both, I guess, get on the court, get more playing time, and uh, we're still talking. Matter of fact, that whole team in Orlando, in Phoenix, I played with Penny here and played with him there. And uh, at that point, I started becoming one of the older guys. So I started giving advice. <laughs> uh, by then, it was me, my turn to start giving advice. But uh, it's always guys in the locker room that you can talk to or gravitate to. Like I said, Monty Williams was another guy when I was in Orlando. Like I said, that, that Orlando team had a bunch of guys who helped one another. It wasn't all about me. It was about we. And we were willing to sacrifice something to benefit. And uh, it, it was a real great time. Uh, also, one of the things that I always uh, admire about you is you always find a way to be sort of around where the playoffs were. You always find <laughs> yourself in the playoffs. Can you talk about, especially since we're in the NBA Finals time right now, as you can tell on the screen, uh, our co-host Bill Ingram just joined us as well. And, um, What's up, Bill? What's up? How you doing? 
Um, can you talk about the pressures, the difference between playing in the regular season and the playoffs, the pressures, the intensity? What was that like for you uh, being on the court during those crucial times? Uh, it's, it's different seasons. Playoff is a whole nother level. You're, um, you're playing one team either five games or seven games. You know, I was in both of those series where it started five and you played seven. So when you play in a team that many times, they know your offense. So it comes down to playmaking. What plays can you make and can you stop them from making plays? And uh, the intensity level went up more than one notch because think about it. It's only 16 teams that are left playing in a regular NBA playoff season. You got eight in the East, eight in the West. So you got 16 total teams playing. So everything's focused on that. So everyone in, in the world is watching you and the intensity goes up. So the the referees are trying to limit the calls and those physicality goes up and the skill set goes to another level. He thought a guy was good and he realized he's great. He's like, whoa, this guy can really play. <laughs> Things just, just changed on the playoffs. Isn't that really the key? Because uh, during the regular season, you can have a great team. And I'll I'll use the Phoenix Suns as an example. The Steve Nash Phoenix Suns yeah, had a great a nice team on, during the regular season. Right. <laughs> the, the great regular season team but then when the playoffs start they never quite had the Shaquille O'Neal the Akeem Olajuwon the when you absolutely had to have the play to win the series to win the game they didn't have quite as many as though there were great guys on that team they never got the championship because well but, in but that, you gotta that, have you gotta have two or three of those guys Watch this. In that particular series, if you recall, we we should have beat San Antonio because if you recall the, the series before that against Dallas Mavericks, that's when Joe Johnson, as I say, broke his face. That's when he <laughs> fell on his face and he his whole face was smashed Ow. and he missed. And he <laughs> ended up coming back way sooner than he should have came. So he, he – I don't know if you recall. You can look it up. He fell in the Dallas uh, series and messed up his face. If he doesn't get hurt, I'm thinking we win in that series against Antonio because right. we played Dallas and it went to six games. And I'm trying to recall, we played on a Friday, I believe, and it went to double overtime in Dallas, game six, and we ended up winning. Steve Nash, like, played – that's when he thought he was good and he came to great. He played out of his mind. So we get back probably at right. 3 o'clock in the morning, maybe 4 have Saturday recover and then have a Sunday, maybe like three o'clock game. So your recovery was real short and our bench was already short. We playing eight guys, maybe nine guys. So that rest time and that, that series against Dallas was extremely tough. And, but to your point, I know what you, I know exactly what you're talking about. You need guys that can go to, and we actually had them. Steve Nash and Amari Sodomite were like, they were two of the best in the league at the time. Obviously, Steve Nash is MVP. Yeah, can you? Mm-hmm. I was about to say, is there was there a better lineup, starting five lineup than that? Steve Nash, Joe Johnson, Quentin Richardson, um, oh, Amari. Yeah, like that. My God, that was like if you if you can't double anybody, you could not double on that with that lineup. The thing about that team was that we were before our time. To look at that team that you just named. Now that's called small ball. If you look at now, we were still playing right. against that Tim Duncan. Think about it. 
you know, a yeah. legit post guy. Then you had Paul Gasol over here and Shaquille O'Neal. So now we were before our time because everybody on that team was six nine and under. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Well, yeah. If you else. were playing in the NBA today, yeah. well, <laughs> if that team was in the NBA today with all those guys in their primes, <laughs> that's a championship team set up right there. Well, you also the, you know the yeah. culture at that. I forgot that culture. about Joe breaking his face though. You're right. Yes. Yeah, I forgot about Sorry, that. I was just too. saying, I, I had forgotten about it. Even though I covered that series, I was in Dallas, here in Dallas, covering that series, and I had forgotten all about Joe breaking his face. That's it. it happened in Phoenix. Yep, it happened that's a good in point. Phoenix, probably game four, maybe three or four. And game six was the toughest game in Dallas. You remember that game? It was like a double, triple over. It was a long game. Like, yeah, oh, man. So, mm hmm. I was I was busy crying about yep. the Nets struggling at yep. that point. So, <laughs> so it was that's that's where I was at that point. Uh, can you talk about around that time? Also, you know, we, we just we we've been talking with a lot of guests about the Last Dance, with the Michael Jordan special that was on uh, ESPN, and and the culture of the NBA um, on on the way it's been. And you're around, uh, you know, the today's players. A, uh, a lot more than I guess Bill and I are, and obviously you were around the culture towards the tail in the Jordans' time. How much has it changed? Do you think? Uh, what part? Because it changed a lot. What part are you trying to like? I, I well, I guess you know Jordan. I, I always had the mentality: is I ain't teaming with you. I want to beat you. Mentality. He was. He was. He was most definitely. Yeah, I think when he stepped on court, he was going to be the most competitive guy. That was probably his his mo. Uh, if you looked at Mike, the way he played the game, I don't think a lot of people pay attention. He wasn't never the man at halftime. He wasn't never had thirty points and fifty <laughs> points. Like, every once in a while, he would. That's he might right. Well, it might be Scotty Pippen might be leading scores. Steve Kerr might be up there. They might have four guys with ten. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the game, yep, you knew who the man was. Yeah. I was oh. the only the only person who knew at, the, at halftime was LeBradford Smith apparently, but yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was that was a yeah. personal thing. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say too much to that man, and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but I, but also just I, you know I guess the mentality of in this league today, I'm a very old school guy. I, I still believe the center, the power forward, the small forward, the two guard, and the one guard. You, you work inside and you work inside out to get the best shot available. Now you have guys coming down the court with 11 left on the shot clock shooting threes while they have two guys on them. And I don't understand the mentality of that. I wanted to get your take on, on that mentality of today's game, on what you think, if, if you were the commissioner, what you would do to change the league today. Uh, that's what people want to see. Think about it. You want to see points. No one think about it. that. That's yeah. why the league changed. It went from the physicality, the banging, to the point scoring because the game, let me think, when was that? The 97, 98, 99, from 98 to about 2002. If you ever played a game in the East Coast with Jews in New Jersey, the final score could have been 87 to 83. Yeah. But if you go to the West Coast, yeah. the final score could be 110 to 115. The East was, mm -hmm. I was saying, finesse in the West. Beast in the East. You're going to go to the East, you're going to get banged up. You're going to get hit. This just was a mentality. You knew 
You had New York Knicks. You had Miami Heat, Alonzo Mourning. You had uh, Indiana Pacers with the Davis boys and Rick Smith. You know what I'm saying? You had guys out here who were going to lay you out. Milwaukee Bucks. They had Irvin Johnson. (laughs) You in the paint, you were going to feel it. Now, like I said, Phoenix Suns was before their time. We had we was in practice, and if you didn't shoot the ball with 14 seconds left on the shot clock, then it was a bad it was a bad possession. So that is what people like to see: a lot of threes, a lot of points. Great, I'm gonna give you a question. I'm gonna ask you a question. Okay. If you you're a soccer fan, no, I'm not really. I don't watch too much soccer. I'm not gonna lie you to know you. Why? Because this score is gonna be one zero. Okay. That's fair. People like scoring. It is what it is. Baseball yeah. fan right here at the bottom. Hockey's the same baseball way. You yeah. appreciate baseball because you want to see a great pitching, dude. But most people, if you go to game, you want to see a lot of runs. Right. All about getting points. And that's what society is based on. It's not – now, as an athlete playing, I don't want all them points. I'm not – I'm, I'm going to get upset you keep scoring on me like that. So, <laughs> so it's – uh, you couldn't change it. The, the, the commission yeah. actually – you know, when I was in, when I was in, uh, Bill, Bill, you cut out real quick. You cut out. You cut- <laughs> Repeat when that question. I was question. in college in St. Louis. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yes. I can hear you now. When I was in college in St. Louis, the Blues, I grew up in Houston. Uh, when I, oh, you can't hear me? Yes, no, you can hear me. University of Houston. <laughs> well, can you hear me now? Yeah, he, yeah, he was just giving you the sign for the University of Houston. Well, I went to college in St. Louis, and and the Blues got uh, Gretzky, and they already had another guy who was all time great, and I his name I can't say his name because he's because it's hockey. I tried to watch that game because I thought this guy it must it's exciting and it nothing i was like i watch this sport i just can't <laughs> yeah and it's but bo you bring up a really good point though about wanting to score points and you know that's why i think it made the bubble the most very most intriguing thing down in orlando this year for for the nba comeback is because the scoring was up for every team it was everything was just was was up and you know and i think if this year's nba finals you would have told me back in september that the miami heat were going to be scoring you know, 118 points for majority of their games in the bubble. <laughs> I probably would have called you a liar yeah. because yes. no one, ex- no one's expecting Tyler Hero to come out here and dropping 30 some, something points on the Celtics. No one's expecting right. Jimmy <laughs> Butler to be the best all around player in in the game. But I don't know about that one. He's pretty good. So that well, one be different. Apparently, LeBron just learned this too. So. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anthony Davis. Yeah, but like I, I think that. Like you're saying, with the points means something, you know, uh, being able to score Anthony a lot of points. Davis to me, yeah, has been good, Bill. Yeah, I, I, I think that you know, Anthony you know, we, Davis we, is the guy that has really risen to the top as far as the best. You, you have a great point about Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. I, I can, I can address that as well. Uh, if you look at it, Anthony Davis in New Orleans was was really good. If Anthony Davis in New Orleans doesn't get hurt during the course of his se- the careers or his seasons, he's probably one of the better players. But if you notice, every year in New Orleans, he got hurt. 
Has he? Did he ever play like a whole season in New Orleans? No, he. I, I think he played only up to seventy games. Yeah. So in a season. So therefore, that's why he dipped down. Because if you look at him start of the season, oh yeah, he was here. Then he get hurt. Yeah. Get back in rhythm. Get back in rhythm. And then by then, you're not playing for nothing. Mm-hmm. Then your enthusiasm, motivation is gone. So he's always been a pretty good player. It's just timing situation right. in LA. He has a great. He has pretty. Good, he has a pretty good guy on his. Uh, let me rephrase that. He's on the shoulder of a good guy. I got to ask you about another guy who, when you first came into the NBA back in '97, uh, who was sort of on his way down. Bill is a very big Houston guy, and uh, his name is Hakeem Olajuwon. And one of the guys who I, I who I always say to to everybody is Hakeem. I felt has been the best center in the NBA since Abdul. Jabbar retired all the way till now, I think, because he was the most complete player. He was able to take you inside, take you outside. He was going to defend you up at the, up at the, by the three-point line if he had to. He'll take you down in the post. Defensive player of the year, scoring champion. Have you ever seen a more dominant seven-footer at, uh, at that position since then, since he was playing? And do you think um, at, that more seven-footers should be learning to play the game like that? Uh, the game is not built like that now. Can can they be skilled? What I say is they can have that that uh, that ability to be well rounded, meaning make jump shots, play defense, have a post game, which mm, too many big men don't. So if you have a post game, that's gonna make you a lot better. But then you can make jump shots. You can defend the perimeter. You can defend the post, and that makes you all around player, and that makes you pretty good. Like you said, Akeem is – yeah, I'm a fan of Akeem because, once again, a Houston guy. So uh, I went to University of Houston after him, of course, but he 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 paved the way, and I'm proud to say I played the same school he did. Well, I, I got to tell you, Bill has covered uh, Hakeem. He's He sat down with him yeah. and, and learned, learned from the mind from the madman himself. <laughs> Akeem is the man. I'm a fan of Akeem. Uh, I grew up watching, you know, Akeem and Clyde. And when when Clyde was traded back to Houston uh, from Portland, that was the Cinderella story of my fandom of the, you know, was still just a fan watching the game. But uh, watching, you know, Orlando when uh, when Shaq and Akeem went head to head, watching that was really a tale of two styles of play because. Shaq will back you down on you on your head, and Akeem, nobody's going to bound on Akeem. Um, and right. I think to me, we've talked about this with different players on the huddle too. That Shaq may have benefited from the fact that he came along at a time where that kind of center was gone, except for just Akeem, and Akeem was towards the end of his career. Uh, because then the rest of the league was trying to play that finesse center, and Shaq was able to just kill people inside. Well, uh, he had some big centers. Uh, they just were not as skilled as the king. Uh, let's see, you had guys like Matumbo was still around. Yeah. Uh, right. You had Alonzo Mourning, that Patrick Ewing. That were that were all coming to the that that the end. But they, he caught them. David Wright. He caught them. His beginning years were that prime years. Like they were getting ready to transition. But when he started dominating. Uh, they just had big guys, not skilled big guys. There was there's a difference. Like he was the only skilled big guy that was really out there right. that was a threat in the post. 
So if you give him the ball, you know something's going to happen rather than, oh, yeah, this is just to make a play. Yao Ming was one big who was who was there with him, but he didn't move and had a power shot. So he moved pretty well, actually. Um, if if you if I had to say to you, man, he kept, Boa, kept getting hurt. You know, Yao just couldn't stay healthy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Bo, if I had to ask you to pick uh, your three favorite teammates, not to, I know you don't want to leave anybody out, but if I had to say right. your three favorite teammates, That'd three guys, I'll be on one team. Uh, uh, Darren is gonna be at the top of that list. Ben Wallace <laughs> is gonna be on that list. Like all of them could be on Orlando Magic, but I played with some good guys. Uh, Earl oh, yeah. Watson. Um, yeah, Monty Williams. Like I had this team in Orlando was probably the best team I played with. You're gonna say you got the, the by wins, yes, but by teammates it would be Orlando. But by wins, it's gonna be in Phoenix by sure, by far. But I mean, uh, I had some good teammates out there as well. That team was we were winning like a lot of games, like a lot of games. We was we were scoring 100 points in three quarters, which was not normal. Now it's normal. And <laughs> uh, can you also give the? You know, I'm trying. I want to think of as a. I want to think as a fan. I'm not going to think as a media member. I want to think as a fan. Can you give the insight what it's like to be playing in front of 20,000 people? Is, is there ever any nerves on that aspect of it? Your nerves are your first probably week or two. <laughs> like preseason's cool, but regular season is different. And once you get through that first week or two, it's all about you. You locked in with your teammates. You you're there for your team. And then the nerves are gone. That first week, yeah, like yeah, I got called up on ten days, so I was like, hey, I had nothing to lose. So I was just out there trying to win and earn earn me uh, extra time in the league. And uh, I was like, oh, well, let's go play it. But that first week is a little different. Well, and especially you just said that, too. You got called up on a 10-day. What is that experience like knowing that you're like, you have nothing to lose? You can like hit that shot, wave to the crowd, be like, I'm only here for a couple minutes. So I'm going to make the best of this. Or is it? <laughs> Most definitely not hit the shot and celebrate because they're like, oh, we don't want this guy. No, no I know. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. But you're a 10-day yeah. guy, so you got to. You got to come in with the mentality of work, 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 <laughs> and, and fit in. Because you don't want to try to be the guy to do too much. You want to be the guy to fit in and do whatever they need you to do. So they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, we can use this guy. And if they need you to play the one, the two, the three, the four, whatever they need you to play, you're willing to do, give yourself opportunity, and uh, that's what it's about. Yeah. Can you um, also tell everybody what your role now is with the Orlando Magic? I'm the community ambassador for the Orlando Magic. So I do – in the normal year, about 400 appearances a year around the city. Wow. Uh, wow. And, uh, it's just giving back to the city of Orlando wow. where I live. And I call home. Yeah, so we're just trying to make this city a better place for the kids and the future of, of all people who live here. And it's just trying to let them know that we appreciate the support they give us and we try to support them just as much as they support us. Wow, so that's 400 appearances Wow, and that's it. And and like and also, what advice do you give to the younger players that are on the team as far as being well, out in the community? Than, yeah, <laughs> you're doing two or three a day. Yeah, sometimes you do. So yeah. I mean, and, and to say that some days you might not work for a week, you might have one event, but then for four days straight, you might have three events a day. 
So it, it, it it's it's a very hectic schedule. And what you tell the guys about the community is, you know, this is where you live and where you play right now. So you're trying to make the best. You want them. If you can get to the community, and give to them, and they support, and you, they, you're showing them that you support them. They will support you in return, and therefore that causes more fans, more excitement, and you get a little bit more confidence because they're cheering your name. So it, it goes hand in hand, just giving back because we're in the position too. But it also builds relationships for a long time. So is it almost like you always say to them, you want to leave this place better than you found it type of mentality? Most definitely. Because you yeah. come one way and leave, it's a different way. And you can feel that you've done something. And especially now, too, because from what I'm understanding is there's a lot of um, alumni from the Orlando Magic who always seem to come back around. I know Nick Anderson was – Oh, sorry, Bill. Go ahead. Sorry, Bill. Go right ahead. Hi, pal. He went out again. He went out again. Hmm. That's okay. I was just trying to – does it add to the importance? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you. I turned my camera off to try to see if you could hear me without the camera. Yeah, on. we can hear you. Oh, okay, can, good. It seems to me that now that the teams are changing so much – okay, good. Since the teams are changing so much in terms of the players that are active on the team – does it make it that much more important that the legacy players I help fans to identify back with the team? Uh, because you guys, and you especially, were a part of the most successful uh, time in that franchise's history. That's 100% facts because, like you say, players are going in and out coming, but if you got something that the people can relate to, like, oh, you guys, I remember you in this. So we're transitioning from when we play – to them, the, the older generation knowing us, but we also been in the community to the younger kids so they can grow up seeing us. And we are the, the, the connector between the players and the community. So when they go out, they feel comfortable with us and can talk to the kids. And that's how the relationships get built. And you get fans that uh, you're trying to have for a lifetime because those little kids are gonna remember, oh, when Bo Allah came out, he brought Jonathan Isaac. Oh, well, that, that guy's cool, so now, they're going to support the Magic because Jonathan Knight just showed up, but then they remember, hey, you that old guy that bought the – yeah. So every time they see me, they would say, where's Jonathan Knight? Oh, he's not here today. So that's how they'll remember me. You're not supposed to refer to yourself as the old guy, though. When I'm standing beside Jonathan Isaac and he's 23 years old, yes, I'm the old guy most definitely. I, I, no, no joke, Bo. I had a, I, I had a situation where I'm mentoring some younger media members, and I, I covered the New York Football Giants, and I, I brought them to a couple practices, and so one of the one of the players came over to us and he said, so he looked at the, he goes, how old are you? And I told him like I'm 40, and he looked at he looked at my uh, the, the young man who I bought me. And he goes, he goes, yeah, I'm 21. And I just looked at him. He goes, and he told him what year he was born. I'm like, oh my god, I graduated high school. Exactly, <laughs> I graduated high school. That year you were born. And the player looks at me, just goes, "You're old." And I'm like, oh, well, I guess, <laughs> you know. There so I go right there. So I'm like, all right. I like. I said, I'll be over here crying. Go ahead, ask your questions. So, <laughs> so, uh, Bo, I, I know I know we only had you for a short amount of time with the mix up with times, and I do apologize for that. But I know you have. Uh, um, if you want to let everybody know where, where they can find you uh, on social media. Uh, I'm on Instagram at bo.outlaw21. 
45 on Instagram and uh, the uh, boy Orlando Magic Community Ambassadors on, on Twitter. So, you know, it's a, uh, it's a good time. Like I say, Nick Anderson, me, me and him do this together and we do a lot in the community and this, like I say, got two older guys doing this. So the older generation transition to the younger generation. So it's a great thing to try to benefit. And, and now I get to put you on the spot. Who wins tonight? Game three. Oh, sorry, game four, I mean. So, game Bo, four. I got a last question. I got oh, go ahead, Bill. Go for it, Bill. Oh, Bill. Go ahead, Bill. Go ahead. I got to throw in a last question because uh, I, need, I need to know if you're still doing all your mailing from the pack and ship over there in West, in uh, Metro West. Nah, it's closed, man. It's not even there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not there anymore. Oh, yes, is it really? <laughs> it's not <laughs> even there. My, uh, <laughs> My sister, I got a half sister. He's, I'm so sorry, he's been in and out the I, whole. Quite okay. My half sister, yeah. sister uh, her mom used to own that store at the time. <laughs> I was there all the time. So, yeah. All right, well, hey, thanks again, buddy. <laughs> um, real, real quick, game four. Who do, you, who do we got tonight? Lakers Heat. I I, th I think if the Heat are going to do it, they need to attack like they did in game three. Um, Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler were the, like that, that snarl that Tyler Hero showed at the end of game three. Yeah, yeah that, that was. Uh, he needs to be there. <laughs> um, if the Heat win tonight, it's going to start getting a little iffy for the Lakers because the, the more games they play – the more wears on LeBron and AD. That's your two league guys. So their energy level starts dropping and starts dropping. They got to get up for this every game. So you're, this is a crucial game. If this game is won by the Heat, it's going to be a ruffle for the Lakers. But uh, Lakers going to probably re respond to the little snarls and, you know, that little chip on the shoulder. They don't need no fuel to the fire, but they just add it. So. They're going to come out feeling some type of weight. So it's just it's going to be a pretty good game tonight. Yeah, I, I really felt that Miami, like, even though they were coming, coming from the side over here saying the Heat are going to win. <laughs> <laughs> the miss is like, the Heat are going to win. So I guess that's who's going to win. So they, she said, Heat win, the Heat win. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I gotta tell you they when they came out the other day, they they unlike games one and two, they attacked. They were uh, they were more aggressive in game three, but they were also taking smarter shots, a lot of more drive and kickouts, and more. Uh, I just felt like they were moving the ball a lot more, and they weren't afraid to take hits from the Lakers when Rondo was going to the basket. They weren't, you know, they were they were stepping in, trying to take charges. They were just going at the Lakers. I just felt the aggressiveness was a lot more from my. Just think about this. This is four things. If they would have been down three zero. This is this this is hard to come back from. Right. Two to one, this right here, they got a lot of confidence over here because this can easily be two two. Right. So and this right here is a lot of confidence. This would have been no confidence at all. Right. So they had no choice to, but to respond. If the Lakers won that game three zero, it's it's over. This would have been the championship game. Yeah. Yeah, and not only that too, but game, there's a certain points in game one and game two, the way Miami came out, you could have felt like the the tide could have been different. So, and then if you add Drogic back into the lineup, you never know. Yeah, but uh, like you say, it's 
That's a that's a tough situation. We've been in that situation where you bring an injured guy back. Does it change the flow? Does it change the responsibilities? Does it change the mindset? So that's an iffy situation too. So we just gotta see who's gonna be coming out there. And as you say in cards, play the hand that you were dealt. So who All shows right. up, we're gonna play. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Bo, listen, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. Bill, both Bill and I really do. Thanks for coming into the huddle. And again, apologize for the uh, miscommunication there, but it was an absolute pleasure. And uh, thanks, Trish. And and, uh, next time we're down in Orlando, lunch is on us. Oh, yeah. I like that part. In the huddle. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, Bo. We appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Bo. Bo Outlaw, live in the hardwood huddle. Bill Ingram, who I, I guess my mis- my communication didn't work with Bill today either because Bill came on last minute too. But you know, listen, I appreciate you coming on. And that was fun. Yeah. Hey, we, our we string, worked it out. Listen, our string, our yeah. string of guests, look, we're, we're, we're becoming an all-star team here. I like this. I like this. This is good. Um, <laughs> so, Bill, we have Me too. Uh, some more- guys, that, guys that bridge the gap, you know. Well, listen, we have some we have some good guests coming on. We want to try and take through everybody, all of our listeners, into the world of the NBA and into the huddle. Uh, so we have some great guests coming up. Don't want to tease it yet until everything's uh, official, but we have we will be back next week. Uh, if anything, just to break down the NBA finals. Uh, Bill, give me a winner for tonight. What do you think? Two to one right now, Lakers, but the Miami Heat with a big win on Sunday night. I think momentum matters uh, and how healthy are the heat? You know, that's obviously a a big question mark, but you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis have responded. They've been challenged. And so how challenged do they feel right now? I I think it's very important for the Lakers to get this game, but the momentum, as you say, um, Hey, the Miami has surprised us all season long. So, and, and I'm going to go, Oh, let's say, let's say Miami tonight. Uh, certainly, if they don't get it. It's all over, and you can just hang the, hang another jersey in the ra- or another banner in the rafters at Staples. I guess they'll hang it at Staples Center. But anyway, yeah. But I'll go Miami. They'll they'll, they'll hang it in the bubble. Um, that was um, right. One thing. One one thing I, I didn't get to ask Bo is if I was going to ask him, he feel that the the pressure in this game is more on the Lakers than it is on Miami, even though Miami's down a game. But I think the Lakers have the pressure because if they lose, it's a series again. Right. And you've got to win it for Kobe this year. There's a ton of pressure on the Lakers. Miami wasn't even supposed to be here. If they don't, you know, they've got some growth from some of their young players really grew exponentially. There's a lot of promise for next year. For the Lakers, it's not about next year. Where's Anthony Davis going to be next year? Hell, who knows really where LeBron's going to be next year, the way he <laughs> things happen around him. Yeah, you win it next season. They got to be all in. This is yeah. this is the year to win it for Kobe. And as much as I'm not a Lakers fan, I did really like Kobe. I uh, had the opportunity to have a good working relationship with him. And again, not a Lakers fan, but if they win it for Kobe, great. That's their motivation. But hey, Miami, you're playing, you're on the house money at this point. You're already further than you were supposed to be. Yeah, no, that's that's very very true. And you know, when when the NBA comes back, I know they haven't even really set a date yet. But when it does come back, the league is going to look a lot different. And this, I will tell you, very much one so. of the one of the great stories in sports. And I'm going to say, what if? Wouldn't it be a great story in sports if Miami Heat were able to come out and win a championship with only Jimmy Butler as the household name in the beginning of the season, and all of a sudden you have these great 
role players and, and, and developing stars like Tyler Hero come out and help win a championship for the Miami Heat without and beating beating down the big bad Lakers who I there's a good portion of the basketball community that does not want to see the Lakers win a championship this year. Yeah. For sure. And it's, it's it's really the truth. All right, Bill. So we will do this again coming soon. We'd like to thank Bill Ingram and uh, Bo Outlaw. Uh, thanks back back sports page. I was going to say thank myself, but I don't know if I should do that. So uh, we'll be back. <laughs> thanks, Randy. Thank, yeah. thank you to Randy. <laughs> it looks better I like if to, I thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd like to thank myself for all the great things. Um, <laughs> Okay, I'm the greatest there, and uh... (laughs) (laughs) well, listen, we both know you're the supreme leader, so I, I, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm Han Solo. You're Kylo Ren. Zeke. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, Bill Ingram. He's Bill Ingram. I'm Randy Zelia. See you then.